Opinions on objects. Musings on miscellany. What we think about this, that, and everything else. My name's Jack. And my name's Andy. And And you're listening to Jack and Andy's Thoughts on Stuff. Welcome to the Jack and Andy's Thoughts on Stuff podcast. Today is our first podcast ever, so you need to please excuse any possible randomness that may come out of it. because any prevalent amateurishness. <laughs> yes, because this is our first one. So to, we thought to start with we would do something easy and review A Promising Young Woman, which is a movie that came out uh, late last year. Early this year? I believe it actually came out at a film festival in early 2020. Mm. But it was only released in cinemas, at least in Australia, until early 2021. Mm. Okay, so Jack will do a bit of a plot review, uh, overview later on. But um, yeah, we hope that you enjoy it. Uh, There's no real order to how we're going to do this. It's just going to be a random conversation. So over to you, Jack. A Bronson Young Woman is the rather depressing tale of Cassandra, a woman in her early 30s who is still mourning the loss of her childhood friend, who it is implied committed suicide sometime after, but still relating to um, a rape that occurred during her college years at med school. It follows Cassandra's attempts at finding retribution through the singling out of nice guys uh, in nightclubs where she pretends to be drunk so that they try to take advantage of her at which point she reveals her sobriety and we're not entirely certain but it seems she doesn't injure them at all so that's a very heavy plot spoiler by the way it just seems to remind them or bring to their attention what they are doing because it seems they don't actually think it through it's kind of a nice way of putting it really she falls in love and is thinking of giving up this lifestyle choice, if you can call it that, mm-hmm. until she finds out that the perpetrator of the original rape is back in her hometown, and she finds out that her boyfriend was also a bystander at the event who did nothing and told no one about it afterwards. Mm. I think that's pretty much the plot. Yeah. <laughs> if we add any more, it'll be a big spoiler. So, <laughs> But yeah. I guess... Spoilers Something warning. We didn't, yeah, spoilers <laughs> warning, because we are probably going to mention a lot, but you know, maybe a few people have already seen it. Yeah. I um, guess the um, ending isn't so much the plot as just the ending. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, I guess we just wanted to kind of have a discussion around some of the key kind of plot points and stuff within the movie and we're probably going to go off on lots of tangents (laughs) so just be warned we haven't scripted this conversation so there is going to be just a lot of off the top of our head flying by the seat of our pants kind of normal sort of conversation so we're just going to let the conversation flow as it would normally anyway so if you're expecting something a little bit more structured tune out now (laughs) if you don't like Barely coherent rambling. <laughs> Tune out now. Yes, exactly. And just need to say too, there may be swearing. Not a lot, but we do tend to randomly swear. So we'll try to keep it to a minimum. But if you don't like swearing, it might come as a shock to you. Although personally, contrary to Hollywood's sort of stance on this, I think swearing is much less 
confrontational and offensive than actual content you find in movies <laughs> where there isn't any swearing. Hmm. So, considering that we'll be talking about rape, sexual assault, violence against men and women, probably talk about drugging people hmm. and there's all sorts of generally horrible things. I think swearing is probably the least of our worries. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. The issue of violence against women is a hot topic in our home country of Australia at the moment. And what better way to talk about this than through the lens of a promising young woman, a story about the treatment of women and society's response to these crimes. So a promising young woman starts off with Cassandra being in a nightclub dressed in like office attire. Mm. Mm-hmm. and appearing to be passed out drunk. Yes, not like in a very inebriated state. To put um, it in the Australian way, she yeah. is smashed. Yes, <laughs> completely smashed. <laughs> when some guys talk about her state and comment about how she's attractive and a mess and how she'd be easy to sleep with, I think it's a good place to start because they talk themselves about your responsibility to others you see in public who appear to be drunk mm. and that sort of thing. One of the guys does say that she should be helped to get home mm-hmm. rather than taken advantage of, and he does attempt originally to do that, or he seemed to change his mind. But he seemed to change his mind once he gets a good look of her face and realises how attractive she is. Mm. I mean, they're in the taxi, aren't they? And he's, yeah. and then he decides to go to their place, his yeah. place instead. The, ta- the driver asks him to confirm the address, I think. Mm. At which point she looks up and he sees her face and he's like, oh, Does she say she wants another drink? No. Yeah. I think they just start talking Mm. about stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It has been about at least a month since we've seen this movie. (laughs) They're not 100% accurate anymore. (laughs) We still understand the issues. Yes. (laughs) Um, So if you see someone drunk in a nightclub, what are your responsibilities mm. in that situation as a bystander? Mm. That's really hard one to start with, to be honest. I've seen a lot of drunk people in nightclubs. I know, but I mean, I've seen instances where chicks have been as drunk as this. Mainly women. Mm. I don't tend to... I've not helped men in the... I have helped one guy who was passed out on the pavement. I don't think like, men get into nightclubs. No, when they're, when they're, they're drunk. so drunk. Yeah. But I have kind of found women in the toilet and stuff where they haven't had someone there already with them and I have kind of said you know do you have a friend here is there something I can do for you should I you know take you out and put you in a taxi and Mm. I have put a girl in a taxi before and she's become more coherent once I kind of got her in the taxi but I've been able to get her to out to a taxi before Mm. and there's been a guy where me and a friend saw him he was sitting on the gutter passed out like laying down passed out in the gutter not in the gutter but you know he's sitting on the gutter and he laid back obviously and was passed out and we've checked to make sure that he was still breathing to begin with and then kind of roused him and asked him if we wanted if he wanted a taxi and then you know we're able to call a taxi for him and stuff like that but Mm. other than that we didn't get in the taxi, so you never know what the taxi driver's <laughs> going to do. That's true. Yeah. I think, in my experience in nightclubbing, it's very unusual to find someone that drunk by themselves. Mm. There's normally someone yeah. else around there. You can usually yeah. trust their friends will be nearby. Mm. Obviously, it does happen, mm. though. My first instinct would be to tell staff members, mm. but I'm not sure how good nightclubs are at following up. 
these yeah. sorts of things. Sometimes, I mean, security will come in and get girls out of toilets and stuff when they're, they're obviously passed out and you can tell sort of thing. Mm. Like security will do that. I think the other thing, the other um, experience is seeing guys that obviously aren't the chick's boyfriend or friend or something hanging all over the chick like and just being like I've gone up onto the dance floor before and grabbed like the you know smiled at the chick or whatever and she's come and like just hugged me or something and I'm like are you okay and she's like no and I'm like do you want to be around this guy because he'd keep hanging around and she'd be like no so I've had to kind of get chicks away from guys yeah. before yeah I've been asked before mm. I had you will have complete strangers at least in nightclubs that I've been into mm. come up to you and just whisper are you okay yes <laughs> or give you a meaningful look mm. and I've done it for chicks as well mm. yeah and usually just you know wave down oh, fine or just yeah. you know smile in a reassuring way mm. so there is a certain net of looking after each other but I'm not sure how much that's just my experience and how mm widely prevalent that is yeah well i mean and none of our friends have had an experience where you know they've been i mean and we've i've also had instant two instances of my drinks being spiked Mm. but it hasn't eventuated in something horrible if that makes sense Mm. i mean drinking any drinks spiked and just being completely out of it after just one or two drinks and knowing that you're not drunk Mm. like that's pretty scary in itself but it's um Fun fact, uh, Andy here can hold her liquor extraordinarily <laughs> well. For her to be off her face after two drinks is almost impossible. Yes. Actually, I would say it is impossible unless those two drinks were giant glasses of tequila. <laughs> yes, so like all by itself, exactly. Yeah, entire bottle of tequila per <laughs> exactly. glass. Exactly, and it's not something I'm proud of, but it's, yeah. You're it's... Australian, of course you're proud of it. <laughs> But it's just, yeah, it's in those instances, like, and that's why I guess, like, I think that this kind of rape sort of stuff is the, is not the norm. It's the exception. Mm. That makes sense. Because I have had experiences and I know other people who have had experiences and, you know, I think as humans, we just tend to make the bad stuff seem like it's the stuff that happens all the time and is likely to happen, but it's actually the exception, not the norm. I guess it's a kind of um, social defense mechanism. Mm. People may not believe that bad stuff happens unless you overemphasize it and bring mm. their attention to it. Mm. On the other hand, like we were saying, you don't often find women by themselves being very drunk. Mm. I think um, the main character, Cassandra, kind of intentionally made herself especially appealing to certain kinds of predatory men mm. in order to have these things occur Mm. to her not to say that she egged them on or encouraged them or did anything to make their behavior less reprehensible but more she had to create an artificial situation for this to occur Mm. which i think is also the kind of the point in that she targets nice guys and in this case we mean nice guys who act like they're nice but actually don't have the moral backbone behind their words to um, stop them from doing horrible things when it comes down to it. So I think a lot of nice guys do appear to be nice until you get them into a very specific opportunity where they feel they can get away with being not so nice. Mm. In that sense, I think a nice guy is really someone who is overcautious, and therefore you have to give them what they think is a safe 
opportunity to commit crimes mm. for them to actually take it. Responsibility to self. Try not to be alone with strangers if mm. you can. Yeah, don't go out by yourself drinking. Like, that's just silly. If you want to be depressed and drink, stay at home and be depressed yes. and drink. <laughs> yes, exactly. Safer. Don't go to a nightclub. I mean, and people there's... do generally kill themselves at home, mm. usually accidentally. Mm. But you won't be raped and killed at home <laughs> by yourself. You'll just slip on the tile in the bathroom and hit your head. <laughs> yes, exactly. So personal responsibility, it's a tricky one because you don't want to imply that someone's behaviour has asked for this to happen or it's their fault. But obviously there are ways to keep yourself more safe than other ways. There, I mean, regardless of what, you know, I know that there's a hot topic in the society moment and I completely agree. Like we shouldn't be telling, having to tell women to protect themselves. We should be telling men who abuse to not abuse sort of thing. Um, but there is always, a, you know, as humans... There's always risk involved in everything. So even as a man, like there's certain areas you shouldn't be walking at night because men will get murdered or beaten up just as much as a woman might get raped. So, you know, it's you always have to trust your gut, your gut instinct. Like we shouldn't be ignoring our intuition because we don't want to seem like we're giving in to the stereotypes or the gender-specific messaging that happens in society because I know, you know, you hear that, yeah, of course, we do need, like, men need to be told to stop perpetrating, but there are areas that are unsafe for people in gen- for people in general to be walking alone at night time, etc. You know, mm-hmm. like, there's certain areas in our hometown where I wouldn't be recommending anyone <laughs> to walk by themselves at night time, you know. And, you know, in those situations, guys are either likely to be killed or they're likely to just be beaten up and hospitalised. So it's a dangerous situation for anybody, really, to be walking in those areas sort of thing. So I think the messaging for personal responsibility is not so much that we're saying that don't listen to what they're saying about um, the whole messaging needing to be to men. Yeah. Like, that definitely needs to happen as well. But it, it is it's more about don't disregard your intuition or your gut instinct if you feel unsafe then Mm. you're feeling unsafe it's um don't put yourself in a dangerous situation yes if you are the victim of a crime it would be in no way your fault doesn't matter where you were what you were wearing what you said anything like that Mm. but all people have the potential to be a victim Mm. of crime And if you know a way to lessen the likelihood of that happening to you, it's important for everyone to take that into consideration. There's environmental situations like don't go out in certain areas at night time. And there are other things like be careful how much trust you put in others, not just strangers, but also friends and authority figures such as bouncers and staff members. Make sure you know how drunk you are and how drunk your friends are. And if you have a friend who you know wanders off by themselves or will bail and go home without telling you. <laughs> Keep that in mind for your own safety as well as their, their own safety. Mm-hmm. You can't always control every factor to prevent yourself from being the victim of crime. That's just how life is, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And, it's, yep, yeah, so, and it's to reiterate, it's not your fault mm-hmm. if you don't take every precaution mm-hmm. possible. But if you know there's a way to make yourself safer, it makes sense to take that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good summary. I just was going to add, like, 
self-reflecting and knowing how many drinks it takes to get you drunk and what type of alcohol has certain effects on you mm. and all those sorts of things as well. I think experience, yeah, experience mm. helps heaps. Mm. If you can find a way to gain drinking experience mm. in a safe way, yeah, you should do that. Yeah. Although at the same time, you may affect your liver. Yes, exactly. And your your brain health <laughs> yes, if exactly. you drink too much for the purely for science and self and understanding. Yeah. But it's good to start off exposing yourself to the world of drinking if you can start in safe areas mm. and work outwards. Mm. Knowing yourself and knowing how much you can trust people around you yeah. is a really good first step. Yeah, don't have you don't get your have your first binge and your first drunk being like your first night out at a nightclub. Like, don't do that. Like, yeah, that's just don't get super smashed with a brand new friend in a new location <laughs> because you might find out that you can't handle alcohol as well as you hoped. That friend or that person you thought was a friend will ditch you if you're being boring and pass out, <laughs> or if they're airheaded when they're drunk and they wander off and just go home without telling you that they've left mm. yes it does happen a lot exactly <laughs> ghosting yes yeah try mm. to know the people you're around mm. exactly and take precautions mm. write your number on your hand yeah make sure your phone is fully charged take a battery pack with you if you can yeah because dead phones are horrible at one o'clock in the morning when you're by yourself <laughs> yes exactly and that, that's more just drinking risk management really mm. <laughs> for anyone so i've found a lot of guys who like i said have been passed out and we've had to like dig phones out of pockets and stuff because we haven't been able to wake them up and things like that yeah and know? there are people who pass out from drinking on roads yes without realizing it yeah that sort of thing yeah so it's not just risk of sexual assault and stuff like that it's also risk of where you pass out <laughs> like if mm. we, we have come across the man passed out on the side of the road before yes yeah and hey, we tried was, to talk to him didn't we no some another couple oh, stopped behind us and give someone yeah we've come across a few drunk yeah. people <laughs> unconscious on the side of the street yes we had to call the ambulance and stuff to come and sort that man out because he was on quite a busy um, high-speed road and he was sort of on the road as well as on the, not off the road, but he was the, I can't remember what it's called, the part that you, you know, there's the lanes and then the out of the, the outside parts of the lanes. Mm. Yeah, the bikes normally ride along. <laughs> I can't remember what that's called. So we're talking about sexual assault, but basically this is turned into <laughs> drinking is dangerous. Yes, exactly. But yes, but mitigate it, yeah, risks. Yeah, mitigate risks. But obviously, like Jack said before, just because you're drunk, it doesn't and shouldn't give anyone permission to do anything to you that you have not consented to. Mm-hmm. I don't even think that when you're that drunk, that anything you ask for should be considered as consent or anything you say yes to should be considered as consent. No. I don't think you have the faculties. And I think that if you, you know, ran through, yeah, you know, the same sort of rule of consent that you have to give to um, younger, like old younger teens, they do that test. I can't remember what the test is called, but they do this test basically um, around consent around whether or not you have enough knowledge and understanding and stuff like that to to give consent I think that should apply when 
you're drunk as well because some I, I feel like some people when they're drunk they have less sense and common sense in their brain than like may perhaps a severely intellectually impaired person has mm. you know because they're just they've completely off with the freaking fairies yeah, <laughs> like, less than a child yes exactly if they can't verbalize and they're nodding their heads then that's a no if they can't speak if they're too if they're too drunk to actually speak coherently don't take a nod of the head Mm. as as consent that's a no sorry that goes into the consent territory then it does yeah but yeah there's one other point we kind of didn't get around to saying as well that i know we wanted to bring attention to and that is when it comes to knowing yourself and trying to make your situation as safe as possible you may have to be uncool to do that. We have friends who we love and trust implicitly who do not believe you when you say you've had enough drinks and will buy you more drinks. You will need to be prepared to say no and then to possibly pour drinks out yes, into a garden just somewhere. Not drink them. <laughs> or just go home before. If you can't say no to someone giving you drinks, just go home yes exactly and i guess you, that's yeah, yeah sorry okay, you may feel uncool but yeah fuck yolo yeah <laughs> fuck yolo it's your life you don't want to fuck it up exactly and you know what when you're that drunk you tend not to even remember it so you say you only live once but then what is it really worthwhile if you're not going to actually remember the event that you wanted to experience after you've experienced yeah, exactly. it doesn't make any sense that's part of the issue with um, YOLO. You may be having a great night tonight, but you may want to do things tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you can say you only live once, live live up tonight, but you'll be alive tomorrow as well, which theoretically is another opportunity to have a great day, yeah. which you won't if you're in bed for the entire day. Yes, exactly. And if you drink yourself into an alcohol poisoning episode, then, you know, there's a possibility that you might not be alive tomorrow. But at the same time, you're going to die for something that you probably aren't even going to freaking remember tomorrow. No, exactly. You know, so it's just realistically, I guess that's another message that we've gone off on a tangent on, is binge drinking isn't worth it in the end. No. (laughs) From two people who have drunk a lot of alcohol. (laughs) And had a lot of binges. (laughs) Yeah. Not over a period of time, usually all at once. Lots of alcohol. (laughs) Yes. It does get old. Yeah. And Um, you can party like a rock star, but you stop being able to recover like one. I don't think I could ever recover like one, to be honest. (laughs) I just ignored it and slept more. We are, we're old. We are very old, I just realized. We're not very we're, old. We're responsible. <laughs> we're responsible now. It's terrible. It's true, though. Getting super smashed drunk. Being drunk itself isn't nearly as much fun as the fun you have with good friends. Mm. The friends are the key to that being a fun experience, mm-hmm. not the alcohol. Exactly. It's always who you're with. You can be with like people you love and always have fun with and only drink one or two drinks and still have an awesome time. And that's happened to me. Like I've always only really gone out with people who I really enjoy spending time with, but the amount of times we binge and yeah, we've had some great nights, but I could have stopped at the third or fourth drink, not gone on to drink 10 to 15 drinks over the night. Like that's just ridiculous. So you stop remembering to a point and things just become fuzzy or it just becomes like a drunken stupor where you are just kind of like moving around on the dance floor and actually not really knowing what's going on around you anymore. And that 
what's so fun about that? Like the reason you go out to nightclubs is to have fun with your friends. Perhaps some people do want to pick up, but you want to pick up people who actually are going to be able to one, stay awake for the entire event. If you're a chick and you want to pick up, you want to pick up a dude who can actually finish the deed (laughs) and isn't going to take forever because he's so freaking drunk and has whiskey dick. (laughs) And by the same token, if you are really drunk, you're probably not going to get there either. No, exactly. So, So, you know, like really think about the reasons why you're going out nightclubbing in the first place. We go out with much more purpose now. So when we Mm. do go out, nowhere near as much as we used to go out. But when we do go out now, we go out with more purpose. We know when we're probably going to go home. We know how many drinks we want to drink. But we also know why we're going out. And these days it's because we want to dance. You know, mm. we want to go out, we want to hear music, we want to dance on a dance floor. want to be in a different environment. Yeah, exactly. And I that think sort of the thing. problem when you're younger is, I don't know, it's almost like you just think that that's something you need to do when you're young, is go out nightclubbing and, mm. and stuff like that. Can't say you're really enjoying your youth unless you're going out nightclubbing or something like that. Yeah, and they're really, I mean, when you're in your 20s, there's really not a lot of other places to meet new people other than, like, your workplace. If you don't go to uni or anything, there's, like, no other places really to meet people other than your workplace, Mm. you know. So I guess, you know, for young people that is, I think, anyway, tangents. Just a bit. Yeah. This has become a lecture (laughs) on young ladies who are thinking about entering the nightclubbing world. Maybe that's what our podcast should be. (laughs) Young ladies entering nightclubs. Advice for ourselves when we were younger. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Jack and Andy's advice for young ladies. (laughs) Exactly. But it's, yeah, I guess going back to the whole thing, she does deliberately put herself in that situation, but no woman deliberately, like we were talking about this when we originally recorded it, like you don't go out intending to get smashed because there was that part in the movie where um, they were talking to Madison, the friend, and Mm. she said, you know, like, oh, she she was asked, you know, she'd always do that. She'd always go out and do that. It was bound to happen. It was bound to happen. Like, since when does, did a woman getting smashed mean she's open to having sex? Yeah, it's not exactly like a mating call, is it? Like, (laughs) no, it's not like an indication that, yeah, I'm I'm open to having sex. Just like when a girl, and that's the thing we, we were talking about too is, you know, it's like you go to a nightclub and you might dance with a guy, you might have a kiss, but that also isn't, yep, I'm ready to go. That, you know, mm. that's not a an opening of the floodgates to, like, say I'm ready to go all the way, you know, in this instance. Yeah, there is an element of misunderstanding mm. with that sort of thing, but it's not your responsibility to make sure someone else doesn't get the wrong idea. Exactly. You need to be considerate of the people. And if you misread the signs, like, don't let your pride turn you into an arsehole, basically. Like, if you misread the signs, just go, oh, sorry, I I misunderstood, and then back off. Mm. Like, you know, we've had the instances where we've told them, nothing's going to happen. I might kiss you, but that doesn't mean that I want to go home with you. So nothing's going to happen, but still have been pestered 
and harassed to mm. go and do further things with them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, how much more obvious of a no could that be? Like, but they've thought because we've kissed them that they're in for a chance sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. There's miscommunication and then there's just bloody stupid perseverance, mm. I yeah. guess. <laughs> Stubbornness. Stubbornness. I yeah. do wonder if it's an idea that some men have been taught. Mm. Like, when a woman says no, she's just testing you to see if you're really keen. Mm. That's not real at no. all. That's not what women do. They no. don't. They don't do that. No. And I was thinking, I've been thinking about this recently with all of the stuff that's been coming up within Australia at the moment with all of the rape allegations, the sexual assault allegations that have been coming forward in relation to politicians and stuff like that. And I've, I've been thinking about how, you know, no parent explicitly teaches their son, you know, if a kid does, if a woman does this, then she's in, she's ready for it. Like, I don't think there's going to be dads and mums having those conversations with sons, you know. So I think where it comes from, because, you know, I've been watching a bit more TV than I usually watch um, more recently. And in TV shows, you know, like they always show that, you know, the woman, they'll kiss and stuff, and then that always progresses to something else. So it's almost like, you know, we're, we're kind of taught in movies and stuff like that, that the next step after kissing is this. Like mm. it's a bit of fondling and it's a bit of then, you know, heavy petting and then it's like it's sex sort of thing. <laughs> like that's the way that's the yeah. way that goes. And I think you do see it a little bit more these days. My brother's been watching Big Mouth recently and even in Big Mouth, which is such a sexually charged show. And um, wrong. And in wrong in so, so, many ways, so many ways. But they still very much like the boys, you know, they do bring up those highlight, those things about consent and stuff like that, you know. Mm. So there are shows that are coming out these days that are having a different message, yes. you know. Whereas, but the, in the ones, the older ones prior to that, there, there were, you know, you don't see many movies where the girls not interested like those were more maybe like the 50s and 60s and stuff like that where the women's trying to get away and the man's just holding her in there and be like no 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 and then she gives in sort of thing yeah and we do see that in anime and manga sometimes especially particular types of anime and manga Um, yes as i was just thinking as well when you mentioned how in movies people don't usually act affectionate unless it's going to end up insects yes i think that combined with the fact that women are often taught to ignore certain behaviors like in their personal space is a bad combination mm. for example we teach kids that if auntie wants to give you a kiss on the cheek mm. you just suck it up and go along with it even if it grosses you out like boy or girl mm. just hi auntie mm. and take that kiss on the cheek like a trooper mm. and move on take that hug yeah that take a hug yeah. um I was complaining to a coworker just this week about dancing mm. in schools. I had to dance with like a guy who hated my guts. Mm. I had to let him put his hand around my waist mm. because school told me I need to permit this to happen because that's what being mature is. Mm. If you go into a nightclub and a guy grabs your ass and you say to yourself, I'm just going to ignore it because I'm going to be mature mm. or I'm just going to let him keep his hand there because... It's not hurting anyone. I'm sure it's fine. And I don't know what type of person he is. If I turn around, he might, like, lose his shit. Yeah. 
if you do nothing, that combines with the perception that affection leads to kissing and then sex. So on your end, you may be thinking, ah, I'm going to ignore this and it will go away. Mm. On the other person's end, they might be thinking, ah, they're okay with this, therefore this will be the next step. And if they're okay with that, then the next step will have to be this, and then, of course, it'll have to be sex. Mm. The two a combination of the two messages that we are told and given by society are just messed up. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if someone's grown up, because, you know, generationally, it's all been different. Like, our parents are more prudish than what we are, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So we've only got the example of the family that we grow up in. So if you've got, you've got prudish parents that never touch each other and never show affection in front of you, TV is probably the only place you're accessing how you be affectionate with a partner. You know, whereas mm. if you grew up in a household where your parents were very affectionate with each other and showed it all the time, you're going to be a bit more understanding of how it works, if that makes sense, and not be so influenced by TV and the way that works because you've got that real-life example that you would see every day. But on your point about um, school and stuff like that and, um, te- you know, kids having to take that kiss from the auntie or accept that hug that they don't want... That hug from that creepy uncle. Yeah, or even that hug from their mum and dad when they're not in the right mood for it. You know, mm. like the that's actually in protective behaviour training. That's part of what the parents' side of things needs to be. So you teach kids about saying no in protective behaviour training, mm. like you know, saying no, I don't want that. But then parents, you get the parents. Then if it's not taught to the parents too, then you get the parents going, no, no, don't, don't say no to your auntie and uncle. So. If your kid's saying no, essentially, you've got to let them say no. If you're wanting to hug your kid and your kid's like, mom or dad, like, leave me alone, leave them alone because that's showing them that they have control over what happens to their body. We mm. never had that. Our generation no, definitely not. never really had that. So it's harder for us to say stop it. I mean, I've had my butt grouped so many times when I've, like, gone into nightclubs and stuff like that. And, mm. well, it's not really groped, but I'm normally pinched. And it's or like grabbed, or grabbed, full and then, yeah. And then you turn around and you don't know who the hell did it half the time, so you can't go and say, "Oi, <laughs> like asshole, yeah. keep your hands to yourself." You know, there are challenges to trying to be independent, such as not knowing who to be independent against. Yes, <laughs> I am an advocate of being angry at everybody. <laughs> I think that's valid. If you turn around after having your butt grabbed, any man who has a smile on his face who saw what happened. You can be angry at them. Just fucking don't hurt them. Assault is bad, but you're going to feel angry at them as much as you want. You can fucking yell at them, (laughs) give them dirty looks, and if they look offended, then fuck them. Yeah, exactly. It's not not your fault. So I guess we've gone off on a lot of tangents, obviously, but we've talked about that, you know, personal responsibility and... Mm. And that whole behavior of seeing the drunk girl in the club and thinking it's okay to possibly take her home and she'll be easy and open to doing Mm. whatever you feel like doing sort of thing. And, you know, I mean, if she wasn't pretty, the guys would probably laugh at her and just, that's the thing. Like, you know, it also depends on looks. Yeah. Yeah. There is, um... Like, would they have even, if it was a larger chick that they considered to be unattractive would they have even gone and helped her and put her in a cab or would they have just like laughed at her and left her there there? 
It's true. Yeah. But there would have been women who would have done the same too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. The way we treat each other in society is horrendous, I think, sometimes. um, I think kind of leads into the one part we want to talk about we haven't yet really touched on is what should you do if you witness something or are aware that an assault has um, occurred? What should you do? One of the themes in A Promising Young Woman is that there were many people, including in this story, two women who ignored what happened and had the power to bring about change or at least retribution against the the main guy who committed the rape. Perpetrator. That's the word, mm-hmm. the main perpetrator. It can be tough to come forward with information, all that sort of stuff, especially if you aren't entirely certain. Uh, it's a problem, I think, with... Um, Women who come forward as witnesses, if they were drunk, then people will say to them, ah, you were drunk, you didn't see what you say that you saw, so I know it can be a deterrent, but it's always best to come forward and tell someone something. Mm. Find someone, find an authority figure or someone involved in the situation and just let them know. Mm. Call it out when you see it, if it's safe for you to do so. We did talk about, last time we were talking about this topic, just leaving the area and calling the police. You don't have to let anyone know that you've done anything or told anyone. Yeah, you can do it. Report shit anonymously. Mm. But also, like, I think the thing that came up in that movie too that we talked about before is how, you know, there was an element of people being concerned about how them reporting it would impact on their career mm. and their uh, their future opportunities and, and how everybody was concerned about the perpetrator's future but nobody was concerned about this woman's future that was already, you know, screwed up and how everybody just justified that she was drunk. So, you know, what does she expect sort of thing? So it kind of like almost, it kind of like if you, Um, it's kind of, it's kind of like if you get that drunk, then, you know, it's just a consequence that this is going to happen. So you just have to accept it. Like it makes it not so much more justified, but, it makes it seem okay that her future now is ruined. Yeah, the yeah. blame's think, laid on Yeah, the blame's, the but it's um, rationalised. So all of the witnesses, you know, part of the movie was that they didn't come forward because they kept saying, you know, things like, oh, um, it's kind of like they, sh- they felt like them coming forward would have somehow ruined their life like it would have somehow had a negative impact on Mm. them if they had come forward to support her when she made any allegations sort of thing and everybody kind of said you know oh well he had this promising life ahead of him you know he was gonna be a doctor and you know she was drunk so you know she she had it coming for her that kind of they didn't flat out say that but that's what was implied like you know you shouldn't get drunk if you don't want those sorts of things to happen to you sort of thing and that in itself like we were talking about you know that paints men as being these creatures that are unable to control (laughs) their urges and stuff in general but um so it's also unfair to men in a sense but she also had a promising future she was top of her class you know Mm. So there was lots, and her he basically ruined her life. But everybody rationalised the that by the fact that she chose to get drunk, and yeah. so you know these things happen to you when you're drunk. So you shouldn't have made that choice, sort of thing. Almost. You um made a really good point last time we were talking about this. 
that if a woman gets drunk and something bad happens, it's skewed as being her fault that someone did something to her. Mm. But if a guy is drunk and does something, being drunk is an excuse for why what he did to someone else is not his fault. Yeah, it's which, it makes it excuse his act excusable. Yeah, yeah, it damns her but saves him. him. Yeah. Which is really weird when you consider that he did something, whereas she was the victim of something. Exactly. It's weird logic. Exactly. And you don't really, you don't, I mean, you, you do hear it. Like, we have that king hit, king hit issue in Australia, mm. you know, and sometimes you do hear it. Like, you actually do hear it a lot. I mean, we're enraged, basically, when a man dies from a king hit in a club and they, you know, immediate, they took really strong action to lay harsher penalties on one punch kills mm. sort of thing and one punch like assaults and things like that mm. but you know there are some instances where you do hear oh but he was drunk and he didn't mean it and all that sort of stuff but generally it's because it's a man probably it's on the side of the victim sort of thing yeah although um, in this case it is a good example of how what the authorities told people to do after one particular incident of someone dying from being king hit is different to what police say after a woman is raped mm. in like a park. Mm. So whilst we were before we were saying it's important to be aware of your environment and keep yourself as safe as possible, it is odd that police will say, women, be more careful with where you go jogging. Mm. But when a man dies of king hit, the campaign that comes out is, hey men, don't go around king hitting people. Yeah, yeah Not exactly. Hey men, stay away from nightclubs because people might king hit you. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Very different. It's a very different message. And I guess before too, like just going back to the point we were making before about, you know, why we don't support the victim, we talked about the just world. Yes, just theory. world theory. Yeah, and having DV informed language mm. as well. So basically the just world theory is a sociological theory, if my memory serves me right. It's been a while since I studied this. But the theory is that we will interpret events around us in a way that indicates that there is justice in the world. It's the main reason we have a lot of women who are not just negative, but even hateful towards women who are the victims of crime. And there were women who say, oh, she was drunk, she was wearing a short skirt. On the face of it, it seems surprising that a woman would be so harsh on another woman who's been the victim of rape but just world theory explains that the observing women have seen a potential risk to themselves and they've found a way at least conceptually to make it appear as though they can choose a path that will help them avoid this fate so every time a woman says ah she was wearing a short skirt of course this happened to her what she's thinking is if I don't wear a short skirt, this won't happen to me. It's not true, but it makes you feel in control mm. and as though you can do something to protect yourself, but in reality, you can't. Mm. The uncertain and random nature of existence causes a lot of stress to all people. So it's a natural instinct for us to try and find ways to make our world feel just and rational. It's basically stress relief in a sense. It's a self a mental health protection strategy, but it does result in hypocrisy and circular logic and mm. just straight out stupid logic mm. and misunderstandings. Mm. 
And I guess that also ties into like the next point that I wanted to talk about was like how this movie just showed a general lack of empathy overall, like Mm. empathy for the victim. A lot of people had empathy for the perpetrator, but not empathy for the victim. Mm. And like you said, that ties in with that just world theory. It's why they probably didn't have empathy, but it also ties in with the dehumanization. So by labeling someone as, oh, she was drunk, that's almost kind of like dehumanizing in Mm. a way like it takes away the fact that she's a person who's experienced a horrible event and makes it like yeah if you're close to someone and they run out in the street drunk and naked and said quick someone come and rape me Mm. if you love them you wouldn't say oh yeah they asked for it you say i don't fucking care what they did yeah (laughs) i am pissed off and hurt and upset that they've been assaulted yeah if you really have an emotional connection with someone there's no such thing as excuses and yeah. justified causes and that sort of thing. Yeah. So the more you remove yourself from someone, the easier it is to think of it in causality yeah. sort of ways. Yeah, it's easier to dehumanise. Mm-hmm. And I guess in this case, like we kind of dehumanise women once they're drunk because they're no longer Jack. Now you're just a drunk woman. So drunk women have a particular thing. I feel like... Mm, there are stereotypes yeah. of how drunk women behave and what they want. Yeah, and... exactly. And stereotypes feed dehumanization. You oh, know? for sure. And, like, once we, once we dehumanize somebody, you take away the empathy. Like, you, it removes empathy mm. because you think, you know, what's to be expected sort of thing or you think, you know, like you said, causality. But there's just a real lack of empathy but also warmth, um, like emotional actually, warmth Actually, it well. occurred to me when you said people are afraid of how it's going to affect their life. That is a major theme for every character in this movie, except for, say, Cassandra, the main character, the policeman at the end, Cassandra's um, boss in the coffee shop, and the um, lawyer who dug up dirt on women as a job when he was younger and is now psychologically unwell due to guilt from yeah. doing that and he was the one who prosecuted mm. not prosecuted defended the perpetrator in the case mm. when it went to court yeah. every single other person in that movie is trying to ignore the situation in order to protect their lives mm. remember how we were confused as to why cassandra's friend nina mm-hmm. nina was the um victim of the rape in college who then after committed suicide Nina's mother is cold mm. towards Cassandra and pushes her away and tells her to move on. And we at, th- at first thought that was very odd why there'd be no warmth mm. there. But putting it through the lens of all the characters are just trying to move protect on. their own yeah. life yeah. rather than caring about the lives of others. Yeah. It makes more sense. Yeah. The mother obviously would have cared mm. much more when her daughter first committed suicide. Mm. But at this point, she's more interested in protecting the happiness of her current life. Mm. You can feel much more sympathetic towards the mother mm. than you can towards, say, the um, paediatrician mm. who refuses to help his now ex-girlfriend mm. towards the end of the movie because he doesn't want to lose his job. Yeah, and it's still unclear why he thought he'd lose his job. I think there is a law, even in Australia... I can't think of what it is. Mm. It's but, a really common word. Yeah. Is but in his case, it's been so long mm. since it occurred, it'd be hard to prove that he was in a position 
to do anything. Mm. Um, and I mean, I guess I'm not making excuses. But it excuses could be social media area yeah. stuff. But it could also be that maybe at the time. I mean, no, he knew that there was something wrong because he said in the recording that they that came, was un, uncovered that, you know, oh, that's crazy sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, I doubt she looked like she was awake and enjoying it. Yes. <laughs> um, but I guess that's a point to make. Like, it's obvious that Nina did try to press charges and did try to go through court, but he had a good lawyer who basically – or not a good lawyer. He had a lawyer who was good at digging up dirt on the women to basically, like, demoralise them and basically um, defame their character, essentially, mm. um, to make them seem like they weren't good people to begin with sort of thing. And that she was, you know, basically – put through the ringer and made out to be this person that she's not and then not won the case by the sounds of it Mm. and then had all of these people like not coming forward for her even though there was multiple witnesses on that evening like that's got to be pretty horrendous you lose faith in humanity pretty easily yeah i think if you got put through that no one in the movie wanted to address the issue Mm. There's different. There's a time frame issue. So, like I said, the mother wanted to move on now. After mm. oh, she's she knows nothing's going to be done mm. about what happened to her daughter. She wants to move on. Mm. But there's also the fact that at the time the dean of the college didn't want to do anything because it she didn't want to ruin some this um, promising young medical student's mm. life, mm. and she probably didn't want the scandal coming out about her college having. Mm. A prevalence of rape and sexual assault yeah. in it because it was implied that her college was rampant with it yeah exactly and it was interesting because the way they conveyed this is um cassandra basically found out what the dean's daughter liked and there was a band that the dean's daughter really really loved obsessed. and was obsessed about so she basically set it up that she you know was outside the girl's school and um called out to her and pretended like she was the um, makeup artist for this band and so the girl was like because she was a huge fan did, agreed to get in the car with her and stuff and um, then she went to the dean's office and told lied to the dean basically and said that she um, left her in a room with full of college boys at the at the school and the dean completely freaked out so I guess the way she mm. got back at her was you know, you know how bad this was and yeah. you did it you chose to side with him rather than You say in public that yeah. your dorms are safe and men don't mm. do that. Yeah. And as if a man would do that, it'd totally be a woman's fault for putting herself in that situation. But when it's her daughter who supposedly was delivered drunk to a group of men having a party, she immediately freaked out. Yeah. So it she clearly shows that she knows what happens in her dorms. Exactly. And she didn't. She just left the poor girl waiting at a cafe thinking that yes. those, those guys were going to really show up. I think it's important. The movie does try to make you question how far Cassandra will go to get revenge. The answer is she causes extreme psychological distress mm. to people, but doesn't actually hurt, hurt anyone yeah. or cause anyone to be hurt she doesn't go yeah she doesn't go too far with it either like she comes it's kind of like she she caught um, forward yeah Yeah. she she kind of forces the guilt up basically Mm. she forces them to face their guilt in a way 
the only harmful physical act she's going to commit is at the end when she's planning to use a scalpel to cut into the perpetrator's chest saying that he's a rapist or something like that. Um, I believe it was Nina's name. That's right, Nina. Because yeah. she kept hearing this guy's name around her constantly. And, and no one name. ever said Nina's, Nina's name. name. Yeah. 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 That's symbolic of the Symb- dehumanization. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That, you know, she's just this nameless face. And I guess that's a media tactic as well. It's just so many, so many things. But, I mean, the movie, like, nothing was ever hysterical. Like, Cassandra never got hysterical. No. Even when she was confronting the men, like she was very good at holding herself up against them and she'd never lose her shit. Like she just was very calmly like, you know, um, you just tried to have sex with me while I was passed out and mm-hmm. making them realize how I think, disgusting they were. And I think the only time she cried was when she found out that her new love was actually there that night. Mm. I think she was crying when she went out and stood next to the tree Mm. in her sundress. Mm. Um, That, and we can assume she was crying when she died Mm. towards the end, just from the sounds that she was was making. You don't actually see her face when she dies. Spoiler alert. Yeah, exactly. They do try to frame her death at the end almost as a choice or in a way of, um, I may be gone now like Nina but I won't be forgotten. Yeah. I've set it up so that you can't forget me this time. Yeah, she wasn't... She also did a very good job at making sure that they were going to get caught before. Mm. She she didn't intend to die, obviously, but she knew there was a chance and she made that decision. And she... Yeah, she did set it up because she sent the letter to the lawyer Mm. and she sent that voice message. She sent that text message, delayed text message to her ex... Just because she went missing and they were trying to find her for a while and then the lawyer got the phone, the um, letter from her and she basically told him that she's oh, likely right. dead and all that sort of stuff yeah, and what and she, she wasn't doing. The, yeah, um, the phone that yes. that girl gave her. Exactly, yeah. yeah. They had the footage of it actually occurring. Yeah, so it's, yeah, so she, it was kind of like her ultimate revenge. Like she's like, I'm ready to go down kicking and screaming you know, I'm ready to die for this Mm. sort of thing. So she made the ultimate sacrifice for justice, basically, for justice for her friend who didn't get to see it herself while she was alive. It's kind of um, no one in the movie is willing to sacrifice elements of their life in order to bring this to justice, Mm. except for Cassandra, who literally sacrifices her life Mm. in order to bring this person to justice. Yeah, and she held a lot of guilt. people as well because she was guilty that she wasn't there because for some reason she wasn't at the party that this occurred at possibly she was practicing good self-protection behaviors (laughs) and left early when she knew she was too drunk yes exactly or the downside was she left her friend there yeah she realizes now that she shouldn't have yeah so she decided that she needed to somehow get justice Mm. for her friend but at the same time trying to somehow Moral of today's podcast, <laughs> friends do not leave friends drunk at parties. Or friend, if, if you really think that somewhere that your friend's going to go and get drunk isn't safe, try and convince them not to go. Suggest that you do something else. like you know. Or if they're still going to go, just bite the bullet and go with them yeah. and stay sober. You know. So but if you, you don't feel safe, you're not obligated no, to do not, that. But yeah. Just yeah. go if you, if you can, if you feel safe. If you... 
and if you know you have control over them. Because mm. I have a certain friend who, once <laughs> she gets incredibly drunk, does not listen to any kind of reason and cannot be contained. Not to a building, not to a street, not to a district of a Japanese city. Yes. See, I feel like we're allowed to talk about this because especially me, don't always make the greatest decisions. I mean, I haven't made bad decisions, but definitely decisions that had have, have had the potential yes. to be bad. Um, that's another point to getting so drunk you know how you work. Andy here makes very sensible decisions when she is incredibly drunk up until a magic point, which I have yet to precisely determine, where that stops. Just entirely, everyone's her best friend and the world couldn't possibly hurt her because it's a magical miracle wonderland. I am conscious enough in those times to know that it's not that I think the world is a safe place, it's that I think I'm invincible. I think <laughs> I know when things are going south and... You know, I haven't, I mean, it hasn't put me wrong yet. I do have, I have had two instances of drink spiking and this was even when being careful. Mm. Um, well, you weren't even drunk no, in those situations. No, I wasn't drunk. And that, and I, because drink spiking is quite, well, at that time, drink spiking was quite common where we live. You know, I was always careful, but I must have just turned my head at one time for their first instance and then... The second time I was in a different country and I was in America, in New Orleans, which was even scarier because New Orleans, that's that was the second time I had been to New Orleans and I felt like the city had degenerated since the first time and it degenerated even more. Um, and the, you know, we went, yeah, that was that, uh, that night and my friend and I both had our drinks spiked and we think it was a bartender. So, you know, you're not even safe. You can't even trust bartenders. Um, and we think it was the bartender because when we think the drink spiking occurred, we were the only ones at that bar, <laughs> essentially. No one else could have done it. Yeah, so no one else could have done it. Um, unless it happened to be at the bar that we had been before that. Um, but I, we, we don't think so. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, you know, these things happen and you can't really trust most people um as well full disclosure i feel i should say i do not have a magical drunkenness point where i become invincible i pass out <laughs> which is equally as dangerous exactly exactly i am sensible up until the moment that i am unconscious <laughs> at that point andy needs to get my ass in a cab exactly. and get me back to my Japanese hotel. Exactly. I don't want in Japan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we have too much fun in Japan. Yes. But I've had instances, and I think that that's about, I mean, when it's my friends, and I have had one instance where I have found a friend passed out in the toilet and I've taken her home, but then I've decided to go back into town to meet my other friends still because I wasn't ready to finish the night. But then that night ended up with me passing out in the toilet and my friends, who are very good, and this was just an oversight on their part. And this was before everybody took their phones out with them all the time. This friend thought, thought I, because she was just as drunk as I was, and she had thought that I had gone home. She couldn't find me. So, mm. and I don't know how I got home. I'm assuming that the club staff put me in a taxi, and because my license was pulled out and um, I had money in there that I didn't. <laughs> 
wasn't missing. <laughs> I still there. Well, well, I had money in there that I didn't have before. <laughs> so oh, yeah, extra money. I'm guessing they put some money in my bag oh, and that's nice. And got the taxi driver to um, take me home. But yeah, and there's just you just make stupid decisions sometimes yeah. when you're drunk too. Like, and so do your friends. Don't mm, judge them. Yeah, I say it's important to know your friends, but. They can be a good person and still not be great support when they're drunk. It's perfectly normal human error to think someone's gone home when they're actually passed out in the mm. toilet. And it's perfectly normal and, I wouldn't say good, <laughs> but you can't fault them for being the kind of person when they get drunk, they forget shit. Yes. They wander off, they forget where they are, they go and get a taco, come back, and then wander off to get pizza because they've forgotten they had a taco. <laughs> Some people are just like this. Everybody's different when they're drunk. <laughs> if a friend forgets you, it doesn't mean they don't like you. No. Or they're a bad friend. They could just be just that sort of drunk. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. We've spoken about a lot of very different things. A lot of random tangents. May not Mostly have been about being drunk. Yeah, may not have been interesting. But, you know, it's our first one. So, I'm sure we'll, we'll learn from this. and yeah. you know, We may yet remake. We may yet rename this to be Jack and Andy's advice to young women. <laughs> but um, since this podcast seems to be mostly about telling people how not to be stupid in nightclubs. <laughs> but we'll see how we go. Yeah. I guess it would have been interesting to talk a little bit more about like the whole sexual assault stuff. And we have kind of touched on, talked about that and consent and things like that too. Like, mm. But, you know... As you said in that YouTube thing, just remember consent is like a tea bag. Yes, <laughs> I do love that video. It's quite a good video. Basically, just YouTube search tea and consent, and it'll bring it up. It puts it in plain words, or rather, it puts it into an analogy that is hard to confuse. That is the drinking of tea a topic, very close to my heart. There may be future podcasts about tea. Who knows? Quite possibly. <laughs> yes, I recommend. Um, looking that up that's mm. a good one mm. yeah there's so many other things we could have talked about coming out of this movie and we may yet use another draft <laughs> that yes. we do this podcast and maybe splice some stuff in there but um yeah promising young woman wasn't highly impressive for me but it was a good movie and it did really it didn't really i don't think it would invoke rage in people who you know, the guys, the guys especially, who think that all the men get the blame and all this sort of stuff mm. um, because it doesn't really talk about men. It's really just the situation and that particular guy and stuff. So, yeah. yeah. As far as revenge goes, she actually gets revenge on two women mm. and fail. Well, in the end, she gets revenge mm. on the perpetrator, his friend, and her then ex mm. um, pediatrician mm. scumbag boyfriend. Yeah. But the most part of the movie, she gets revenge on two women yeah. and decides not to get revenge on a man because he actually feels guilty. Yeah. So it's not really targeted at men mm. um, so much as society's approach to these allegations yeah. and crimes and how they deal with them. Yeah, exactly. So I guess in conclusion... I'm, I'm not really sure, I can't really remember everything that we've spoken about, but basically, Don't I guess, be drunk. 
Yeah, don't don't be drunk. Or if you are going to be drunk, like you know, make sure you've got good people around you. And and that goes for guys and girls because, like you know, especially where we live, guys get in bloody fights all the time and mm. stupid shit like that. So, but mainly women, you know. Like I'm not going to tell. I'm not going to say to women, don't get drunk. No. But yeah, everybody should be making sure that they're being safe when they're drinking. Yeah, no, for certain. Look after and yourselves. Then, yes. But don't blame yourself if something does happen to exactly, you. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Make sure that blame is firmly laid where it's required, which is mm. on the perpetrator. Don't yeah. be afraid to speak up. Don't be afraid to be uncool. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to secretly call the cops. Yeah. And then get the hell out of that place. Yeah. Look after each other, exactly. You know, there's nothing, your life's not going to be ruined if you try to help somebody. No, exactly. Yeah. And don't believe it's everything you see on TV. No, for, for certain. Yeah. TV has a lot to answer for, I think. Yeah. You might actually be able to help a case by talking up, speaking up. You know, you might mm. actually be able to get someone prosecuted and remember that. You know, if they're raped one woman, it's likely that they've raped others. Mm. So, um, I think as well, even if you can't help in the um, prosecution of a perpetrator, just giving the victim the support mm. and the validation that what happened to them really did happen and it was wrong can probably do them a world of mental health good. Yeah. I think even if Nina's perpetrator hadn't been she sentenced had or anything... Friends. If people still told her, yeah, I was there, I saw that, that's mm. fucked up, mm. I think she, her mental health outcome would have been a lot better. Yeah. yeah. Rather than being gaslighted, gaslit. Get into thinking she was crazy. Yeah. Rather yeah. Than, and instead of having her reputation trashed yeah. and having all her supposed friends abandon her, mm. if she had just had that support, it would have ended up a lot better for her. Yeah, exactly. Right. I think a lot of people, what especially with rape cases, what they struggle with, with the victim, and I'm not saying this is a justifiable struggle because it's fucking not, mm. is whether or not the victim's telling the truth. And yeah. nobody ever thinks whether or not the perpetrator's telling the truth. So True, the double-sided Yeah, yeah I think it's about when, you know, also being reflective when you see these cases in the news and monitoring where you're th- where your thinking goes and if it does go to oh but she might not be telling the truth just one thing I do for myself because I do that Mm. I'm not gonna lie like that's where my brain goes and I I think I then think well he also might not be telling the truth Mm. and you know what if she is telling the truth and he's out there doing all this sort of shit that's worse than if she's telling a lie and he's Mm. you know that's one person that's going to suffer and possibly family members or whatever that are around him but if she's telling the truth and he gets away with it and then everybody just disbelieves her Mm. that's also she's also going to have a terrible life and and all of her family and friends are going to be affected too um, an innocent man being falsely accused of rape is a horrible thing Mm. um to have his reputation tarnished and possibly have his job um taken from him because of a lie is horrible but it's no more horrible than a woman who was raped, mm. who isn't believed, mm. and has her life taken from exactly. her from that act. Yeah. So. So just monitor your thoughts and just ask yourself those questions. Um, you know, push against that just world theory stuff. Like you know. Yeah. Try to be aware. To, try to be aware of why you, you feel what you feel. Exactly. Mm. Think about what you feel and then think about why. So, and yeah. think about best and worst consequences. Yeah. 
I find if you don't know who's telling the truth, there's usually an alternative course of action that can at least investigate further mm. or can mitigate something from occurring in the future, regardless of what the truth is. Yeah, I think that's currently one of the major issues that we're having in Australia. Mm. It's partially whether or not the perpetrator is guilty, but it's also whether or not we're doing enough to investigate mm. the situation. Yeah. Yeah. And certain media outlets are always going to be reporting in favour of the perpetrator. They're always going to be reporting in a way that makes you side with the perpetrator. So just be aware of the media outlets. Be aware of the bias. Be aware of what their viewpoints generally are. Mm. You know, there's outlets that would always be a lot more neutral. You know, try to follow those a little bit more because the language that they use in their media posts are a lot more factual, a lot less emotionally driven, a lot less emotionally charged. So just being, because, you know, you might, I mean, with the stats, the likelihood is that you know at least one woman who's been raped or sexually assaulted. I feel like every woman has been sexually assaulted, but you're more likely to be reading about the stories in the media because women, you know, quite often. And I mean, I think I think this is probably a good thing because a lot of women are coming out now talking about rapes and sexual assaults. So, yeah, you know, that's a good thing. So hopefully it, you know, changes the conversation and changes the language we use around this. But yeah, just being aware, I guess. And being a bit reflective when you do think about it, and I mean that's a good, that's a good way of thinking about anything really, race yeah. stuff and all that sort of stuff as well. So I find a good rule of thumb is that you have an emotional reaction to a story about someone else, then you need to find out where that emotion came from mm. and why you had it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's the end of our first podcast of Jack and Andy's thoughts on stuff. We just like to say that not all of our podcasts will be dealing with such heavy topics and it won't always focus on women in society and women's experiences i mean it will to the extent that we are both women (laughs) and we're talking about our experiences Mm. but that won't be the main topic or focus of our podcast i just thought it'd be a really interesting way to start off yes exactly Mm. we do try we do plan to do a lot more lighter light-hearted ones but Yes. yes they are likely to move into some sort of territory because we're both quite philosophical and yeah and politically minded ju- yeah politically and social justice minded so it's likely to go into that territory yeah. all right well until next time until next time bye, bye. bye.